Well, I'm excited to be with you this evening. And uh, as Greg was talking, I was thinking I used to give an introduction and be like, you know, I appreciate everybody coming to hear a young preacher talk. And I kind of got a dose of reality the other day. I was, <laughs> I was taking my senior citizen lunch walk and uh, where, where I work across the road, there's like a theater that just came up and I saw some people walking through and they were leaving and I was on the phone with Kat and I said, wow, they must have been taking a group of elementary kids on a tour through this, to this theater. And Kat said, no, that's the local high school. They took them all down there. And then all of a sudden, I just had an urgent need for bifocals. It was really weird. Uh, <laughs> no, but I'm excited to be with you, and I appreciate your uh, dedication to the house of God. It would have been very easy this evening to say, well, the preacher's not there, and we heard Greg this morning, so why would we show up tonight? But I appreciate your dedication and your faithfulness to the Lord. I, I kind of tell people now, I was talking to the teenagers a few weeks ago, and a lot of times now I'm used to speaking to little kids. And I always get a little bit more nervous when I talk to older people or older kids or teenagers or anybody who's not six years old, um, mostly because if you mess up, they're really not listening anyways most of the time. So you can get away with about anything. But it, it, when you're talking to older people, and especially when you're at your home church, because when you travel and preach, if they don't like you, I mean, they pretty much just tell you, hey, don't come back. <laughs> but when you're preaching to your home church, the people you serve with, the people you sing with, the people that you do all these things with, you know, it's hard to escape if you mess up. Like, for example, Brother Greg, this morning, I, I will say I enjoyed your message. I appreciated it. And I, there was only no more than 10 people bad-mouthing you. It would have been nine if I hadn't joined them. <laughs> but... Uh, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. But I'm very excited to be here. If you, have some, uh, if you want to badmouth me after the service, they meet uh, out back. Um, so just meet them there and y'all can just let me have it. But like I said, I'm happy to be here. I'm very excited for what the Lord has laid on my heart and it has blessed me and I hope it blesses you. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of John chapter 21. In John chapter 21, we're kind of in this part of the gospel where Jesus has already been crucified. The disciples have followed him. They've seen all these great things that he can do. There's really no question about the power of Christ at this point. There's no question about his abilities, no question that he truly was the son of God. He's arose from the grave. They went and they found the grave empty. And he's met with the disciples a couple times at this point. Now, we're not sure how many other people have seen Jesus, but we know for sure he's at least shown up to the disciples, uh, minus Thomas at this point. So in chapter 21, we uh, look in verse 1, if you will. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana and in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. And they say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into the ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this day, and I thank you for the opportunity you've given me to share what you've given me. Father, I pray you would bless us through this time we have together. I pray you would open our hearts and give us boldness and awareness to your word tonight. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, a little backstory of what's going on here. So Jesus had told his disciples to go back to Galilee in one of his opinions. He said, go back to Galilee. So that's where they went. And they're in the Sea of Tiberias. And, um, and chapter, so 
In Luke chapter 18, it's implied that the disciples, while they were following Jesus, all of their needs were pretty much met by the giving of other people. So when they heard, hey, you're with Jesus, well, let us just take care of your needs while you're traveling. And there was really no need for them to go back to their old professions. But Jesus had been crucified. He had rose from the grave. Name had kind of been smeared to a lot of people, which is what the Roman officials wanted to do. So really, this charity had kind of quit for the disciples. There was no more people giving them a lot of stuff. They had just went through Pentecost where all these people had got saved. But in reality, in John chapter 21, we find the disciples in a space that they really have to figure out what they're going to do. So very simply, Peter says, I guess we got to go back to work. Like, I guess we better start fishing, boys. That's all we know to do. So that's what we did. And we see the uncertainty of the disciples in this time. It wasn't like they all just came together and said, hey, why don't we get back to work? But rather, Peter simply told them, I'm going back to work. I don't know what you guys are going to do. And they just said, okay, yeah, we'll go with you. So they went out with them and they go out and they fish all night and they don't catch anything. Now, what this makes me think of, and I'm not a, I'm not a big title message type of guy, but I have put a title on this one. It's a simple question. Where are the fish? Now, I will say something that a lot of men won't admit. So please forgive me. I am not a good fisherman. I'm not a good person to have on a boat with you. I have the three traits that you do not want on somebody on your boat. I'm a bad fisherman. I'm a bad swimmer. And I don't eat snack cakes. So, I mean, what's the point of me being out there? But these guys, and whenever I go fishing, I never get a bite. And you always ask the simple question, where's all the fish at? Where did we come out here and there's no fish? A couple of commentaries have said that more than likely Peter and these disciples had fished these waters before. We see the Sea of Tiberias that is in Galilee, which is where the disciples, a lot of them came from. They fished these waters before. But yet this night they had spent all night and caught nothing. We understand they weren't ignorant of the ways of how to fish. They weren't ignorant of how to do their profession. It's who they were. They did it their whole lives before they dropped everything to follow Jesus. So the question is, at this point, it, there's uncertainty in what they're going to do. The name of Jesus is being smeared. He's been crucified. They believe he's rose from the dead. They've seen people being saved. But at this point, they don't know what they're going to do. They're virtually standing there with their hands out and say, well, you know, let's get to work. Let's at least take care of ourselves. And even that's not working out. And it seems that we see the disciples in a place where not only are things bad, everything's getting worse. Right? They've seen Jesus get crucified. They dropped everything to follow him. He's been crucified. I mean, they've seen people get saved. They've seen all these great works of God. But now when they're trying to return to a sense of normalcy, everything's falling apart. But they have an encounter with Jesus. And I want you to notice a couple points about this encounter that, that they had with Jesus in their time of uncertainty and when things just seemed to be getting worse. First of all, I want you to notice the arrival. In John 21 and, uh, verse 4, we understand they caught nothing that night. And when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? And they answered him, No. 
Now, a couple of things to notice about the arrival of Jesus in this scene is he wasn't recognized by the disciples. So they saw him on shore and we're not really sure why they couldn't tell it was him. It could have been the mist. It could have been they were just so upset that they hadn't caught anything. They really didn't care who was out there. Uh, they were just so down on themselves. They said, I don't care who you are or what you want. But notice Jesus didn't make a huge scene when he walked out to the disciples. He simply said, children, have ye any meat? Which was a common, uh, a common communication that we would see among fishermen and businessmen in this time. They say, hey, you caught anything or doing business good, doing this, doing that. Just a pleasantry, really. So Jesus didn't make a big scene when he walked up to him. He just simply asked him if he caught anything. But they didn't know it was him. They didn't know who this guy was. They just knew somebody was talking to them. And what we see at this point, on a little side note here, Jesus came to them while they were fishing. Notice he didn't wait until they got back to shore and decided, well, maybe we're going to have a time for Christ now. Notice he didn't wait till they were just having a church service for themselves or wait till they were singing hymns. But what we see is that Jesus can show up at any point in our lives, even when things are going bad. Just like Miss Tawana sang this morning, I was thinking about that song as she was singing as I was studying and, uh, and for a little bit. And I was thinking about a time I went, me and Cad went to visit this place and there was a cave. And it wasn't like a super deep cave, like there was people in the bottom. And I was wearing boots. <laughs> Disclaimer, these were not work boots. These were fashion boots, as you can imagine I might wear. So I was walking into this little cave and I had no intentions of going very deep. And because these were fashion boots, there was no traction on them. So I slipped on a rock. And at that point, I was convinced it was all over. Um, all the walls came crushing in and this was it. I was going to spend the rest of my life in this cave. It, it felt like everything was falling in on me and that was it. And then I thought of a contrast to when I've gone on these hikes and I've been on these really high mountains. And I don't know if you've ever been where you can see everything. You almost feel invincible. And what I thought of at that time is the God that was there for me when I was convinced I was going to be stuck in that cave is the same God that's there when I'm on top of the mountain feeling invincible. What we see is that God and, and Christ, they do not pick it. There's no certain time that they have to be there. But rather we find that they can always be there and we must always be ready to do the work of Christ. But we see the disciples, they were down on themselves and when Jesus arrived, they weren't sure who it was. They didn't know it was Jesus. They just knew it was somebody. They were so tore up about their circumstance, which is what, we don't know that's 100% true, but I could imagine they've done all this, they're really upset, some guy's hollering at them from shore, I don't know that I'd really care who it was either. But we see his arrival and the disciples didn't know who it was. If you look down in verse six, and he said unto them, cast the net on the right side of the, of the ship and ye shall find. Now, what I want you to notice, not only do we see Jesus's arrival, but we see his audacity, right? We see Jesus walk up to them and he says, hey guys, why don't you just try the other side of the ship? Now, when I was thinking of this, I thought of a parallel in my life. I often say a lot of times I, I speak from my own carnality, how I would react to this. So let's say I open up a business um, and I have two doors. I have an inner and an exit, right? That way it's very efficient. 
Um, and I do absolutely no business. Nothing happens. Nobody comes. Nobody buys anything. It's just nothing's going my way, and I'm pretty upset. And you walk up to me and say, hey, Dave, I see that you've opened this business and nobody's coming. Have you thought about switching the enter and exit doors? I believe that is your problem. My first answer to you, I would say, who do you think you are talking to? Um, maybe you should figure out what's going on here. But we see the audaciousness of Jesus here where he simply says, hey, guys, just throw it to the other side of the boat. Now, I'm, I'm not prophesying here, but I don't believe the disciples were stupid. And I'm very confident in the eight hours of the night that they were fishing, it probably crossed their mind. Why don't I try the other side of the boat and see if anything comes? Or maybe even turn the boat around if I don't like to fish from this side. So really, we see this guy tell them they don't know it's Jesus. They don't know who this dude is. And he's saying, hey, why don't you try that side? And I can imagine the disciples are thinking, who does this guy think he is? But what we find is the work of Christ does not require us to do anything that's super complicated. Like God's not going to call you and say, hey, I want you to climb up the Eiffel Tower on your bare feet. Right? Like we don't really see that happening. What we understand is the work of Christ is not more about our abilities to do something. We understand that we're wretched. We have no good in us. There's nothing we can really do. But we see that the work of Christ is more of an act of faith. It's more of an act of simply doing what Christ says to do, even if we don't understand it. Even when it comes to the point that we say, God, I've already done this a hundred times. Why would you want me to do it again? But what we see is Christ simply says, just cast the net to the other side. Oftentimes in my life when I'm thinking and when I feel like God's telling me to do something and when it's something that I've already done and I've seen fail, I say, God, you don't understand, right? I was in a better place then and it didn't work. And now I'm, in a, I'm not in a good place and you want me to do this. Like, who do you think you are? But what we see is the work of Christ transcends our mentality. It transcends this human idea that if it doesn't work once, I mean, don't do it again. But we see Christ sternly and simply tell them, nothing complicated, nothing that they couldn't do, but rather, hey, just throw it on the other side. Very simply. Now, notice in verse 6, at the end of verse 6, they cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus, Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat upon him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. So he jumps into the sea to swim to him. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fishes. As soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon and bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, a hundred and fifty-three. And for all there was so many, yet was not the net broken. Excuse me. Now, if you'll notice... Here, we've seen Jesus' arrival. We've seen his audacity to tell them to do something they've already done. 
And now we see the award that Jesus has given them for listening, for obeying. And what we see here is this parallel line of the difference between work without God's hand in it and work with God's hand in it. Now, we could leave here today and we could see these giant, humongous churches who are theoretically doing everything right. I mean, they might be preaching, they might be singing, they might be doing all these things, but we understand that God's not moving, God's not doing anything, and they're failing. And the question is, why is that? Well, it's very simple. God's hand isn't on it. And that could be for whatever reason, rather it be internal or whatever. But yet sometimes we go to these places where we think, ah, there's no way these people know what's going on. And the Holy Spirit's filled the whole place. You see, church, what we understand is work without Christ is worthless. They spent all night trying to fish, trying to catch something, trying to do things on their own. And what happened is they came up empty. We could go through all of history and we could see these great historical figures who have done many great things, who've done amazing things. And at the end of the line, they say, look, I've done all these things, but I still feel empty. And what we find is without the hand of God on what we're doing, that's what it is. It is empty. I said simply just a minute ago as I was talking about Christ telling them, just throw it to the other side. We see in our life, a lot of times what I like to do is I like to think I'm smarter than I am, uh, which is a dangerous game to play. And I think, well, God, I can do this on my own. You just hang out in the back and I'll take care of it. God, I know like you're all knowing and omniscient and all powerful and created everything, but (laughs) I'm me. I got this. And then I go and it doesn't work out. I say, well, God, I don't understand But very simply, we see the award of Christ for those who obey him. So in the midst of the calamity that the disciples find themselves in, in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of things not going the way it should be, they obey Christ and they're awarded. They they get this fish, their needs are met, and we see the award of Christ. Now, here's my question. In in my carnality, I asked the question, well, if this whole time God knew that they were going to catch these fish, if this whole time God had a plan for them and all this was going to work out the way it should, why did they spend all night catching nothing? Why, Why did God wait to award them for their obedience? If that was in his plan all along, why didn't he just do it the first time? Why did he make them wait? On a more parallel line, let me ask you this. How come sometimes bad things happen and we don't understand why? Uh, To be cliche, why do bad things happen to good people, right? Why does this happen? God, why did you make me go through this trial in my life and then at the end of the road, everything be okay? Why did you make this bad thing happen? I spent countless nights praying and upset and weeping, asking you to make it work out, and then you make it work out. Why why would you do that? Well, that's a good question. Notice in verse 12 of John chapter 21. Jesus saith unto them, come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then cometh and taketh bread 
and giveth them, <clears throat> and, and fish likewise. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples. After that, he was risen from the dead. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He, being Peter, said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He, being Jesus, saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He, Jesus, saith unto him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, uh, Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Verse 17, He, Jesus again, saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, uh, because, uh, excuse me, because he saith unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. So we see Peter is kind of catching on to what I'm saying here. He's saying, Lord, you know all, you know everything. You know I love you. Why do you keep asking me? Why do you keep letting bad things happen? Why did we spend all night and get nothing? What is the point? And Jesus very simply says, feed my sheep. Today, church, we see the affirmation of Jesus. He affirms Peter's love for him and says, look, my sheep need feeding. Today, church, what God's laid on my heart, and when I was asking these same questions like me, I said, God, I don't understand. I don't understand why these bad things happen. I don't understand why sometimes I feel this way and sometimes this happens. And I don't understand why if you have a plan, you make it happen this way. And it comes down to the very simple answer. There's sheep that are hungry. There's people that need some fish. We say, well, God, how, does that, how does that affect me? And he says, very simply, if you love me, go and tell others. Go and feed the sheep. Today, church, I don't, I don't know what every one of you has gone through. and it's not, it's not necessarily my place to know. But I know we've all been through something. I know there's been something in our lives. And you may be a better person than me, but I know many times I've said, God, why? And then I find myself seeing somebody else and they're saying, hey, Dave, I don't understand why this is happening. Can you pray with me? Can you help me? Can you give me some advice? Today, church, it's very simple. Christ is preparing you to go and feed the sheep. This evening, you may be sitting here and you may be saying, you know, Dave, I'm going through a hard time right now. I'm struggling. I'm hungry just like these disciples where I've been fishing, it seems like all night, and I've been fishing nonstop, and it seems like nothing's going right. I keep casting my net and I keep trying and I can't pull anything in. And I'm saying, God, where are you? Today, church, he's on the shore. He's just waiting for you to look over. You say, well, I keep looking. Very simple, just like the disciples. To be blunt, we got to get over ourselves. We got to say, God, it's all on you. He's not moving. He's still standing there waiting on you. You just got to look towards him. 
you may be sitting here and you're saying, Dave, I'm, 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 I'm listening to God's command. I'm hungry and now, you know, I've been fed and I've understood why God's done this to me and I don't know what to do and I don't really understand and it's very, very simple. Just go out and love others. If there's any challenge to this message tonight, if there's any challenge that God has laid on me that I want to share with you, it's very simply go and love others. Go and share the fish that God's given you. I asked you earlier, say, well, say, well Dave, where's the fish at? We know where it's at. God showed us. He showed us in his word. But now it's very simple. We got to go and show the rest of the world where the fish are at. And that's what God's commanding us. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I thank you for your attention and I thank you for the opportunity to share what God's laid on my heart. This evening, you may be sitting here and you're saying, Dave, I'm going through a hard time and nobody really understands it. Nobody really sees it, but I am. Can I tell you, God loves you. He really does. And he's standing on the shore and he's waiting on you. Just look up. Say, Dave, I don't think I can handle this on my own. Answer simple, you can't handle it on your own. But God can. There's nothing too big for God. Nothing. This evening I urge you to turn to him. You may be saying, Brother Dave, while you were preaching, these minds crossed across my face. I thought of all these people and I, I see them struggling. Can I tell you very simply, God says, look, just love them. Just give them what you got. Just show them the love of God.